You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges Nashville is a church plant in the heart of Music City, meeting at the Listening Room Cafe in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Here's this week's message. But uh, I want you to give Christian Kennedy just another warm welcome. He's going to be speaking to us today. I love this guy. I'm going to posture myself right down there with my family and hear the word of God. Give him another hand clap as he opens up and continues on with lovers of God. This is week number seven. That's right. Ooh, that's God's number. See? All right. All right. <laughs> Love you, Pastor. Well, good morning. Morning. Three of you. How about the rest of you? Good morning. Good, good, good. How's everybody doing? Doing good. Good. So uh, for those of you that have been here with me before, know that I like to just have conversation up here with the Word. And so when we have conversations, that's usually two-way street, right? So I've been married for... 25 years to, to Angel, and I realized that conversations are supposed to be two-way street, right? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, especially when you're dealing with your spouse. It should be listening and then communicating back, right? So uh, I'm so excited to, to be here. We're so excited to be here with you and the Bridges family, like uh, Pastor Donna said now, our uh, extended family. So just a quick little background on what we do. So our ministry is Melody Manor Ranch. We live about an hour south of town, and we have a small farm that we utilize uh, animals that we've rescued to help kind of rescue people as well. So throughout the, throughout the dry months, when we get into wintertime, it uh, kind, of, kind of becomes a soggy mess. We have a small farm, so it kind of becomes a little soggy mess. So we put a pause on, uh, on some of our community activities Uh, But we also, on Sundays, we have uh, just a small gathering where we just dive into the Word and and, uh, have open communication, open conversations about the Word. And that's usually where we're at on Sunday mornings uh, when I won't be here. So, so excited to be here. And and also, um, as a a pastor, I realize uh, that I I do not take this position, especially here, at lightly at all, right? And so the, um, the trust that Pastor Adonis has uh, entrusted with me to share a, a pulpit or share a stage with, with this community, um, I do not take lightly whatsoever. And, and it's an honor to, um, to share the vision that the Lord has given Adonis with, uh, with this body, uh, with each and every single one of you. So uh, I... Pastor Adonis, I love you and your family. I love the Bridges family and, uh, and everything that you all are doing in this community. It's just fantastic. And so, so thank you for allowing me to be a part of your family as well. Amen? All right. So let's pray, and then we're going to get into the word. Heavenly Father, we just stop and pause. We thank you for the moment of worship that we had this morning to help prepare our hearts and our minds. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just open our eyes and our ears to hear what you, you would have to say to us. Father, let, it, let this word penetrate deep into our hearts that it brings change to our lives, not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of your kingdom. Then when we leave this place, that we leave this place changed. We give you all glory and honor for everything that is done and said here today. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said Amen. Amen. So um, the passage that uh, that 
we've been sharing for the last now going on seven weeks is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And I'm going to read that. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. So this is Paul writing to, writing to Timothy, right? Context of, of what, this, uh, what this passage is. So Paul's talking to Timothy. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. This is a long list, y'all. Slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's a long list of warnings of telling us what it's going to look like. And I know Pastor Adonis and Pastor Patrick have have shared uh, with some of the, the things and what that looks like and how we can become lovers of God versus lovers of this world. And and weeks one and two, um, Pastor Adonis kind of talked to us about doing like a self-assessment, right? Against all of these things, this, this litany of, of things. And he talked about, uh, you know, falling in love with God will turn this world around. If, we, if all of us fell in love with God and were acting counter to what all of these, this description of what Paul is talking about, just think of what this world would look like. Even with the people that are here in this room or, or online, just the difference, the impact that we would have locally within our community and how that would spread out. In week three, Pastor Patrick talked about intimacy with God through an individual relationship with us getting our relationship back to God from an intimate standpoint that it's our relationship, our personal relationship with God. And then week four, um, we cannot be effective if we don't believe that God does not love us. Pastor Donis talked about that. If we don't realize how much, or if we don't accept God's love for, for us, then, then how can we really be effective in the kingdom or in this world or in our community? In week five, uh, Pastor Donis talked about reigniting our love for God and how it's a commitment, you know, and what has taken uh, his place in our life, right? What are the things that have, that have maybe uh, pushed him out of the way uh, within our life? In week six, he talked about living a life of thankfulness and the importance of that. You know, it's funny, I was, you know, doing a deep dive on, on that scripture in the, in the, for real quick, the, the idea of thankfulness within the context of the culture of the time when that scripture was, when Jesus was, or when Paul was uh, writing that scripture, that letter to, to Timothy, the concept of thankfulness, if, if mom or dad went to, uh, to help out their, their son to pay a bill or something like that, it was customary for them to make a huge deal out of it. It wasn't just like, oh, thanks, right? Thanks, Dad, for, for helping me with my water bill. It wasn't anything like that. They would literally, it was customary for them to go out to the street and, say, and just shout, my dad just did this, my parents just, I mean, it was part of that culture. And if you didn't do that sort of thing, the counter to that of how, how 
dishonoring it would be to the family, not just to yourself, but to the whole family. You'd bring dishonor to the whole family by not honoring it. Thankfulness is so important in our walk with the Lord. Amen? And that brings us to week seven. Week seven. Um, this is uh, this is going to be a good a good lesson because it's one that I've been walking out this entire year, um, and I, I picked out one of the words, uh, and and it's a tough one. And we're going to talk a little bit about the unforgiving part, right? Did anybody cringe? Anybody just kind of like oh. oh. Yeah, I did. You know, that's that's a that's a tough one. Um, But what I love about this series is how how uh, Pastor Adonis has just talked about how we can love God more, how we can receive his love and how we can show the love of God. And we can we can start that, especially through this holiday season going into the Christmas season. We will undoubtedly come across or come within proximity with someone who has wronged us. Yes? Really? Maybe not in this crowd, but I know, I know it's very possible with me. All right, I see one hand. Thank you for your honesty, right? Remember, Pastor Donna said do that self-assessment back in week one and week two. This is, this is part of that self-assessment, right? Okay? So <clears throat> we're going to talk a little bit about, about uh, unforgiving and what, that, what effect that has on our life. Um, within the, uh, within the, the scripture, I read the new King James version. The King James version doesn't actually use the word unforgiving. There's a little bit of a, a difference in the translation. The, the King James version uses a word called truce breaker. It's kind of interesting, right? Um, so, so I went back and did a little bit of word search and study on truce breaker. It's uh, also implacable. Uh, it cannot be pacified. It's someone who cannot be pacified and renders peaceable. So, they, I mean, it's impossible for them to, to really walk in peace. And they can never be satisfied, right? Um, stubborn. Anybody ever come across anybody with stubborn? You not answering is you being stubborn right now. Just what I was going to say. Anyway, um, so, or constant, someone that's in constant enmity. I feel like uh, Nemo trying to say enmity. Thank you. Thank you. When I try to say enmity, enmity, right? That word. Yeah. Um, Somebody that's angered, malice, or always looking for revenge. That's what truce breaker or implacable means. And so then we take that then to like the New King James Version. All of that then gets summed up into one little word, little word of unforgiving, right? So have you ever made anyone mad or wronged anyone? You don't have to raise your hand, you, you know. Again, through this series, we're doing self-assessments, right? I'm going to raise my hand because everybody's staring at me right now. So I'm going to raise my hand because I know I have. Um, How about, has anyone ever made you mad or wronged you? If they're sitting next to you, don't turn and look at them. 
you know, and give them that, you know, that kind of a thing, right? We don't, don't, don't do that We're in church, and we, you know, we're called to be peacemakers, right? Okay, so, um, you know, with that, maybe it's been a friend. Maybe it's been an ex, ex-boyfriend, uh, ex-girlfriend, ex-spouse, uh, ex-boss. I mean, who, who, you know, maybe even family members, right? Uh, that, that maybe have, have wronged you or uh, in some way. So for, for the message, uh, for the main part of the message, we wanna, I want to look at uh, a story that Jesus tells in Matthew 18. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Peter's cute. I like Peter. Jesus says, okay, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of of heaven can be compared to a king who has decided to bring up his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors who, brought, who was brought in owed him millions of dollars. Some translations say 10,000 talents. We're going to go back to that here in just a little bit. He couldn't pay this, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and his children and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begging him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. Um. How many would, would love it if Scripture just stopped right there? That was a question. How many would love it yeah, just right there, right? But it doesn't. These are red letters, right? This is Jesus talking, and of course, he's going to keep sharing because it's story time, and he likes to do that because he wants to get to our heart, right? So he's going to keep on going, um, and the story doesn't stop there. Fortunately, unfortunately. Uh, So we're going to pick up here then at verse 28. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Quite honestly, it actually equates to maybe a couple hundred, truthfully. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. This dude, he just went from zero to 60 in rage in just a second, right? Uh, So... His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creator wouldn't wait, or excuse me, his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened Then the king called in the man who had forgiven, who he had forgiven, and said, You evil servant, I forgave you 
that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. See, we should have stopped back at earlier, right? <laughs> I, I tried to tell you, but I had to keep reading because it's there and Jesus is talking. So I, you know, you got to keep reading. Um, so when we look at scripture and how it relates to our, our series message in, in unforgiving, we can clearly see how, what an impact that it can have. So we're going we're gonna to talk about this, this passage that Jesus is talking about. So we understand really where Jesus is coming from and understand the, the, the context. So we, before Jesus starts off this, this whole little uh, story time with his disciples, because that's actually who he's talking to, right? So it's interesting that he's not talking to a bunch of sinners. He's not necessarily even talking to Pharisees, because who asked the question? Peter. Right? So Peter's like, hey, teach. You know, so here, here's the cute thing with it, right? So in this culture, a lot of rabbis would teach that you could forgive somebody up to three times, and then if they continued to do things to you after that, then it was okay to, to maybe seek out revenge and that sort of thing, right? Because if they went past three times, then they really weren't sincere in asking for forgiveness. So rabbis kind of, as a rule, were like, all right, you can forgive somebody up to three times, and after that, then it's fair game, right? So Peter thinks he's cute, and he's like, all right, Jesus, um, you know, how many times should we, should we really forgive somebody? Because he just got done going through uh, talking about how how we should approach and, and have childlike faith and uh, what we should do even within the church. So, you know, the scriptures before that, he's talking about how we should forgive each other in the church and how that stuff should be handled within the church. And, and so then Peter's like, okay, so, so how many times do we forgive somebody? Seven times? You know, I picture, picture Peter, you just be like, I know three is like the standard, but how about seven? You know, since it is week seven, maybe. I don't know. Um, and it is your number, Lord, seven. Uh, should we go with like seven times? And Jesus is like, yeah, you're, you're cute. Real cute. Seven times. You think? No. How about 77 times? That's really what it says. 70 times seven. He's, he's actually saying 77 times, right? Per offense. So there are some scholars that actually even think that maybe Jesus is, is, uh, actually answering something from way back at the beginning in Genesis 4 when um, you've got Cain and his descendants and uh, Lamech is talking about anybody who, who uh, comes after me is, uh, is going to be uh, revenged 77 times. And so some, some scholars believe that Jesus has actually kind of like tied this little hyperlink, you know, when you click on his words, that it takes you all the way back to, to Genesis to say, so instead of seeking revenge 77 times for somebody wronging somebody, then maybe I should forgive them 77 times. Isn't that crazy? So he's like, 
he's like changing this, this mindset of not seeking revenge, but seeking forgiveness, right? And it says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to, have, to bring up his account to date with, with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors that was brought to him uh, owed him millions of dollars. Okay, so I think it's King James Version, maybe some of the other versions say 10,000 talents. So at this time, again, just context, right, cultural context, 10,000 was like the largest number in Greek that they had at that time. So Jesus is literally saying, this guy owes so much money, it's more money than what is within like circulation right now. And a talent was like, you know, the highest denomination of money that was to be had, right? And so it's like today, probably billions of dollars that this one servant owes his king. And so we look then, Jesus says that he couldn't pay it, so his master ordered him to be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything to pay the debt. Um, the interesting thing is that uh, one talent, so Jesus says 10,000, one talent could buy up to probably 20 slaves back in the day. So if we're talking about the servant being sold, his wife, and maybe, what, 2.5 kids, if they take the dog to, right? So does, is it even coming close to, to, to the debt that's being owed? No. No, it's not, right? But yet, the king in this story is, is being looked at to say, we're going to sell everything and then uh, and to, to, to pay off the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him and says, please be patient with me and I'll repay it all. Really? I mean, this dude is in debt. I mean, like beyond, well beyond his means. He's a servant. And if he owes the king more than the money that's in circulation, how in the world is he ever going to pay this off? Is he ever? No, he's not. So he's in, he's in hawk up to his eyeballs, you know, with a king, with a debt that he's never, ever going to be able to repay. And even if his life is sold along with his wife, his kids, and his dog, and all of his tools and everything out in the shed, right? It's never going to come close to the actual full amount that he actually owes. And so that, that's, that's what we're looking at here, right? We're looking at a debt that can never be repaid by this servant to the king for what he owes. But what does the king do? After he, after he falls to his feet and he says, please be patient with me and I'll, and I'll pay it all back. I promise I'll pay it all back. Please have mercy. Then his master was filled with pity. Another version says compassion. The word compassion means to suffer with. I don't know if you realize that or not. So when you have compassion with somebody, that means you can really relate. That you're in that moment you're actually able to suffer with them. So, so this king in that moment not just has pity, like, I, you know, Mr. T, for those of you who remember him, I pity the fool, right? That's not what he's, that's not what he's talking about. He's like, he actually is having compassion. on. He feels for this servant. And he doesn't want to go through all that. He doesn't want to have to sell him off and his, and his wife and his kids and his dog, maybe a cat. No, no cats, no cats. 
Um, but uh, so, so not only does he just like forgive him and give him more time, he forgives his debt. He wipes it out. He cancels his debt. It's gone. Right? And he didn't even have to go through bankruptcy court. <laughs> right? He cancels his entire debt. He owes so much debt to this king that he could never repay it that the king just doesn't say, it's okay. I forgive you for not being able to pay it now, but you can have more time. No, he says, no, that's okay. Why? Because he had compassion. And he says, not only do you not have to worry, I forgive you for not being able to repay it, but don't even worry about the debt. I've got that covered. So his compassion then takes him, takes the king to a place of then having to feel that loss as well. You guys tracking with me? So he's been forgiven, not just for not being able to repay, but his whole debt's forgiven. Billions of dollars, whatever it may be. Maybe it's like Elon Musk, you know, I don't know, because I think he's still like number one in the world or whatever. But um, so... Then we look again at verse 28, when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a couple bucks. I think some translations say a few denarii, which you, a day's work, a day's labor was you got a couple denarii a day. So he's like a few hundred denarii, right? So the difference between what this guy, what this servant number two owed servant number one was a couple hundred bucks. The difference in the value of what servant one owed the king and what servant two owed servant one, did that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Is like 70 to 100 million days worth of wages. Million days. 100 million days worth of wages. That's the difference between what was forgiven from servant one and what's not being forgiven in servant two, right? That's insane. That's insane. Um, and you would think maybe servant one would have a little compassion, but no, he doesn't. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll repay you. That sounds familiar, right? Um, be patient with me and I'll repay you. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be fully paid. Um, if somebody's in prison, how can they repay a debt? Right? You can't. So uh, again, to understand where Jesus is kind of tying this into culture, and we don't necessarily really see the full picture until we do a, a really uh, good study on what, was, what he was saying back in this time, is that when somebody was arrested and they owed a debt, a lot of times that um, they would put them in jail, even though they couldn't repay it, their family and their friends would have, you know, they would want their family member back or their friend, and they would come in and like start dumping money off until the debt would be paid. So somebody else was typically repaying your debt to someone else until you could be freed, right? So that's how that's how somebody would repay a debt if they were in, in prison, right? 
So he had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid. Verse 31, when some of the other servants saw, uh, saw this, they were very upset. And they went to the king and told him everything and they, that had happened. And the king called uh, in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant. I forgave you in that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Do you think that with the amount that that man owed the king in the beginning, that he would ever be able to repay that? No. So Jesus is saying that it's impossible for you to repay this, but since you couldn't forgive someone, you're going to be imprisoned for the rest of your life. You're now tasked with something that you tried to do on your own that only I could do and forgive and that you weren't able to do or weren't willing to do with your fellow brother. And so now you're stuck having to repay all of that that I already canceled. It goes on to say that that's what my heavenly father will do if you, if you refuse that that right there is telling. So we have a choice in that matter. If you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters, where? From your heart. From your heart. So here's a, here's a little story about a guy. Uh, let's call him Christian. Uh, <laughs> it's about me. And do you think that... Uh, Anyone's ever wronged, you know, think, do you think that I've ever wronged anyone? Do you think I've ever made them mad? You can answer that. <laughs> I'm surprised Angel hasn't. Yeah. The answer is yes. I've definitely had my fair share of, uh, of not pretty moments. Um, <clears throat> and truthfully, for about three quarters of this year, uh, tr- honestly, I've, I've kind of been in a funk. And, you know, not necessarily realizing it, but that's where I've been, just being transparent, right? And I think, I think a lot of things over, through life, you know, over the past few years have just kind of caught up, right? So, so working backwards a little bit, you know, this year, um, Angel and I have taken on uh, the care of, of our in-laws, my in-laws, her mom and dad, full-time, and just helping them navigate through uh, all sorts of difficulties, right? And, you know, now they, they stay with us, they live on the property with us, and that's a lot, right? Um, growth at work, you know, uh, many of you know that Angel and I work for the Bridge Ministry, and uh, that. The, the needs have just grown exponentially. And with, with growth, a lot of times comes stress, right? So work stress, that's kind of been this year. Um, we look at 22 last year, and at the beginning of the year, started off with losing a really good friend and coworker and brother in Christ, uh, just out of the blue, you know, passed away three months younger than me to the day. And, you know, he passes away uh, from a brain aneurysm. 
My mom diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, praise the Lord that she's doing great. But, you know, yeah, absolutely. Amen. But going through that, all those stresses, you know, then at the end of the year, a dear friend and a man of God takes his own life uh, just before Christmas. And the, I mean, I just, you know, out of the blue, didn't even see it coming, right? Uh, so many questions, you know, with that. Continuing backwards a little bit, you know, 2021, I guess, considering not, not all that bad, but uh, 2022, or excuse me, 2020, um, you guys remember that one, right? I think everybody was here for 2020. Yes? Bueller? Bueller, anyone? Okay, very good. Uh, pandemic and just all that, just chaos, right? Uh, 2019, loss of a job that I had for a long time successful career, uh, you know, without any warning whatsoever, and some deep ministry relationships that, uh, that really struggled, and there were deep, deep hurts with that, you know, and it, it's a, that's, that's just the last, you know, three, four years, right, and uh, we can have the musicians go ahead and come up, and um, all that just, just adds up to some things of, of well, you know, you, let, you try to let go of them. And while I've prayed through most of them, and I didn't realize that, that it was still affecting me. And while I, while, I, while I worked on forgiveness, I didn't realize how much it was still affecting me. Um, and a, a dear friend of, of ours, uh, she's also... She's been a pastor that's spoken to our lives for, for many, many years. She's also our boss. <laughs> but we sat down when we're talking one day, and now she would never use these words, but I'm going to translate it. She basically, and, and without too many words, was saying, you know, you're really being a jerk, <laughs> right? Because she would never talk like that. But in my words, you know, she's like, you're really being a jerk, and it's, it's really affecting those closest to you. And man, it really hit home. And I know looking back through this past year, how there have been times where I knew I was being a jerk because I was just tired. There were times where I felt like maybe I was trying to not be, but, you know, probably still was. Right. Anybody ever been there? Thank you, Pastor Adonis. Yeah, he's doing his self-assessment. But. I realized there was, a, there was a good bit that I, was, that I was still holding on to. And it was causing me to sin against those around me by becoming bitter and angry. Right? Honestly, after really kind of just diving in, doing my own self-assessment, self-reflection, uh, I figured out that I felt justified in my anger. And maybe that's where servant one was. Maybe he was justified in, in holding his debt, holding the debt that somebody owed him. Maybe he was justified in that because it was such a small amount. How in the world could he not repay that? I owed so much greater and that could be forgiven. So how in the world could you not repay that? Seriously? 
Right? Maybe that's where, maybe that's where servant one was, because that's kind of where I was. And I didn't realize that, that that's where I had gotten to. While I had prayed and, and, and thought I had offered up for forgiveness, I didn't realize, you know, that, that I had hung on to so much that it was affecting me, and not only affecting me, but affecting those around me, because I was justified in my anger. But let me tell you something. The only thing that justifies me in living, period, is the blood of the Lamb. Amen? So I fasted, I prayed, I sought out prayers from some very dear pastors in my life, and I was able to release and forgive the things that I didn't realize that I was still holding on to. And that allowed me to seek forgiveness from those that I had sinned against. Because until that Till that point, I really struggled with admitting that I had sinned against anyone until I realized that I hadn't really taken this up with the Lord. And through this passage that we just read and, and many others, I realized that my sin debt, let's tie this to the scripture, that my sin debt that I owed my heavenly father was far greater than any sin debt that anyone had against me. And in order to forgive or have my debts canceled with the Father, with the Heavenly Father, I realized that, that I had to, that I, w- I couldn't be able to hold any sin debt against anyone, right? So I found myself in a place of servant one with the opportunity with the choice to release a sin debt that that somebody had against me so that I didn't end up in prison. I wanted to receive that full pardon. I wanted to receive that full forgiveness of all my sin debt. My sin debt against the Father far exceeds any sin debt that anybody could have against me. Does that make sense? And we see Jesus just clearly painting this picture and how we have to forgive those that have a small amount because it never compares to what we've done against the Father and what he has canceled for us. Amen? Now, it doesn't mean that when we forgive someone that, that we put them in a place of trust, okay? It depends on, on what's happened in our life. We can forgive someone, but maybe... If somebody's stolen against you, you're not going to give, you know, you forgive them, you're not going to give them your checkbook, right? I mean, so, so there's some boundaries that's going to be set there. And there, there's, there's many other things that far exceed, you know, things that have been done against us that we wouldn't want to put our place, maybe it, it put them in a place of trust necessarily, but we can put them in a place of forgiveness. We can cancel their debt against, uh, against us, and you can cancel their debt against you because of the Father has canceled your debt, which far exceeds their debt against you. We can cancel that because he's canceled it against us. So I went on the mission of canceling debts against me and, and asked those around me to, to cancel their debts that they may have against me and that I occurred against them and by asking for forgiveness to everyone that was around me. 
And what I didn't realize was that by hanging on to bitterness and anger, like the first servant, that I was actually costing the kingdom. So when, when the, the first servant held that sin against him on servant number two, he actually cost the kingdom more money because that, that second servant wasn't able to produce like he would because he put him in prison. And how many times have we done that then? Because somebody has owed us, we may be holding it against them that we're, we're putting a, a, we're costing the kingdom even further by how we've treated other people. And by not letting the fruit of the spirit work through us and us allowing to cancel that debt, that, that's, it's not how the father's intended, amen? The peace and joy that have followed since, uh, since walking through this, and, and honestly, it's probably been since September. But the peace and the joy that I walk in, not that I don't get annoyed and all those other things, but I'm able to cancel those debts immediately because I recognize them now. It's been so restoring and energizing. Far less sleepless nights, far less tossing and turning at night in bed, right? And man, it's been, it's just been amazing. So there was a, a famous <clears throat> Facebook quote <clears throat> about two years ago. Um, it says, we are so quick to give people a piece of our minds instead of giving them a piece of our hearts. And I think this was actually a letter from me because I actually, the Lord spoke that to me December 1st, 2021. And I think it was a letter to my future self that I didn't realize, you know, how much I was going through even then and what the Lord was already dealing with me on. But we're so quick to give people a piece of our mind instead of giving them a piece of our heart. If our hearts are filled with the love of Christ, shouldn't that be what we're dishing out? So in this, what we're finishing out this this series and how we can be lovers of, of God and we can walk in forgiveness, amen? And in this season, when we're going to encounter maybe some folks that, that maybe we don't want to, we can walk out forgiveness and we can walk in peace and we can share the love of Christ with them in maybe a new way. That we can start today preparing our hearts for those moments to walk in forgiveness. Amen. In other words, we're, we're all called to be lovers of God. Amen. I love you. I do, each and every one of you. I may not know you, but I love you. And I want you to walk in freedom. I want you to be lovers of God because that's what he wants for us. He wants us to walk in freedom and not be bound and not cost the kingdom. Amen. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To find out more about us and who we are, check out our website at bridgesnashville.com or find us on social media at Bridges Nashville.